Chapter One of Young People's Treasury, Volume Six Famous Travels and Adventures. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. Young People's Treasury, Volume Six Famous Travels and Adventures by Hamilton Wright Mabie. Chapter One The Early Explorers marco polo's account of japan the island of chipangu and the great khan's dispatch of a host against it chipangu is an island toward the east in the high seas fifteen hundred miles distant from the continent and a very great island it is the people are white civilized and well favored they are idolaters and are dependent on nobody and i can tell you the quantity of gold they have is endless for they find it in their own islands and the king does not allow it to be exported moreover few merchants visit the country because it is so far from the mainland and thus it comes to pass that their gold is abundant beyond all measure i will tell you a wonderful thing about the palace of the lord of that island you must know that he hath a great palace which is entirely roofed with fine gold just as our churches are roofed with lead insomuch that it would scarcely be possible to estimate its value moreover all the pavement of the palace and the floors of its chambers are entirely of gold in plates like slabs of stone a good two fingers thick and the windows also are of gold so that altogether the richness of this palace is past all bounds and all belief they have also pearls in abundance which are of a rose color but fine big and round and quite as valuable as the white ones in this island some of the dead are buried and others are burned when a body is burned they put one of these pearls in the mouth for such is their custom they have also quantities of other precious stones kublai the grand khan who now reigneth having heard much of the immense wealth that was in this island formed a plan to get possession of it for this purpose he sent two of his barons with a great navy and a great force of horse and foot these barons were able and valiant men one of them called abican and the other von sachin and they weighed with all their company from the ports of zaytan and kinsay and put out to sea they sailed until they reached the island aforesaid and there they landed and occupied the open country and the villages but did not succeed in getting possession of any city or castle and so a disaster befell them as i shall now relate you must know that there was much ill-will between these two barons so that one would do nothing to help the other and it came to pass that there arose a north wind which blew with great fury and caused great damage along the coasts of that island for its harbors were few it blew so hard that the great khan's fleet could not stand against it and when the chiefs saw that they came to the conclusion that if the ships remained where they were the whole navy would perish so they all got on board and made sail to leave the country but when they had gone about four miles they came to a small island on which they were driven ashore in spite of all they could do and a great part of the fleet was wrecked and a great multitude of the force perished so that there escaped only some thirty thousand men who took refuge on this island these held themselves for dead men for they were without food and knew not what to do 
and they were in great despair when they saw that such of the ships as had escaped the storm were making full sail for their own country without the slightest sign of turning back to help them and this was because of the bitter hatred between the two barons in command of the force for the baron who escaped never showed the slightest desire to return to his colleague who was left upon the island in the way you have heard though he might easily have done so after the storm ceased and it endured not long he did nothing of the kind however but made straight for home and you must know that the island to which the soldiers had escaped was uninhabited there was not a creature upon it but themselves now we will tell you what befell those who escaped on the fleet and also those who were left upon the island what further came of the great khan's expedition against chipangu you see those who were left upon the island some thirty thousand souls as i have said did hold themselves for dead men for they saw no possible means of escape and when the king of the great island got news how the one part of the expedition had saved themselves upon that isle and the other part was scattered and fled he was right glad thereat and he gathered together all the ships of his territory and proceeded with them the sea now being calm to the little isle and landed his troops all around it and when the tartars saw them thus arrive and the whole force landed without any guard having been left on board the ships the active men very little acquainted with such work they had the sagacity to feign flight now the island was very high in the middle and while the enemy were hastening after them by one road they fetched a compass by another and in this way managed to reach the enemy's ships and to get aboard of them this they did easily enough for they encountered no opposition once they were on board they got under way immediately for the great island and landed there carrying with them the standards and banners of the king of the island and in this wise they advanced to the capital the garrison of the city suspecting nothing wrong when they saw their own banners advancing supposed that it was their own host returning and so gave them admittance the tartars as soon as they had got in seized all the bulwarks and drove out all who were in the place except the pretty women and these they kept for themselves in this way the great khan's people got possession of the city when the king of the great island and his army perceived that both fleet and city were lost they were greatly cast down howbeit they got away to the great island on board some of the ships which had not been carried off and the king then gathered all his host to the siege of the city and invested it so straitly that no one could go in or come out those who were within held the place for seven months and strove by all means to send word to the great khan but it was all in vain they never could get the intelligence carried to him so when they saw they could hold out no longer they gave themselves up on condition that their lives should be spared but still that they should never quit the island and this befell in the year of our lord twelve seventy nine the great khan ordered the baron who had fled so disgracefully to lose his head and afterward he caused the other also who had been left on the island to be put to death for he had never behaved as a good soldier ought to do but i must tell you a wonderful thing that i had forgotten which happened on this expedition you see at the beginning of the affair when the khan's people had landed on the great island and occupied the open country 
as i told you they stormed a tower belonging to some of the islanders who refused to surrender and they cut off the heads of all the garrison except eight on these eight they found it impossible to inflict any wound now this was by virtue of certain stones which they had in their arms inserted between the skin and the flesh with such skill as not to show at all externally and the charm and virtue of these stones was such that those who wore them could never perish by steel so when the barons learned this they ordered the men to be beaten to death with clubs and after their death the stones were extracted from the bodies of all and were greatly prized but now let us have done with the matter and return to our subject concerning the fashion of the idols now you must know the idols of cathay and of manzi and of this island are all of the same class and in this island as well as elsewhere there be some of the idols that have the head of an ox some that have the head of a pig some of a dog some of a sheep and some of diverse other kinds and some of them have four heads while some have three one growing out of either shoulder there are also some that have four hands some ten some a thousand and they do put more faith in those idols that have a thousand hands than in any of the others and when any christian asks them why they make their idols in so many different guises and not all alike they reply that just so their forefathers were wont to have them made and just so they will leave them to their children and these to the after generations and so they will be handed down for ever and you must understand that the deeds ascribed to these idols are such a parcel of devilries as it is best not to tell so let us have done with the idols and speak of other things but i must tell you one thing still concerning that island and tis the same with the other indian islands that if the natives take prisoner an enemy who cannot pay a ransom he who hath the prisoner summons all his friends and relations and they put the prisoner to death and then they cook him and eat him and they say there is no meat in the world so good but now we will have done with that island and speak of something else End of chapter 1